Hello, welcome to my first podcast, the Joseph Palatka Show. I'm here with my friend Peter Grundy. I'm just going to be interviewing him essentially, and uh, we'll go from there. So, Peter, why don't you start by telling the audience a bit about yourself? Uh, I'm some guy. I've uh, got my seven-year associates. Um, eco- environmentally minded, playful person. Guy just want to have a good time in life. Fair answer, fair answer. So, from a political and philosophical perspective, like wh- where do you stand essentially? Left. I'm a leftist. <laughs> Very far left. How uh, far left? I'm not always good at naming things with titles. Uh, pretty far left. Like, we shouldn't be starving to death and dying and having all these terrible things when the resources are right next to us. Okay, okay. So y- y- would you consider yourself uh, sort of like a communist or a socialist or, you know, you know, you know, which yeah. of those two? Yes. So, <laughs> so. so yeah, we we can cooperate with each other. We can have a better world. Um, socialism, communism, from what I gather, they're good, but I don't have exact things on their titles. Okay, okay, so so what do you say to those that, you know, say that capitalism leads to innovation, which ultimately gives people the impetus to better themselves as individuals? They're wrong. <laughs> do you want to, like, elaborate on that? or? So, capitalism does not lead to innovation. It leads to finding the cheapest way to make the most money. So, if there's a better way, somebody might not go looking for... Well, there's always another way, but... People won't go looking for other ideas because they found a way to make money. So if we sell plastic water bottles, there's a better idea. But if that makes a bunch of money and it doesn't require any investment in research and development, then ta-da, we're, we're done. We just keep doing the same shit. All right, fair enough, fair enough. And um, so, like, uh, you know, people on the you know right side of the political spectrum often say that the uh, far left, um, their political ideology is, I guess, radical or extreme or dangerous, rather. What do you say to them? You're wrong. So having homeless people next to empty housing is just ridiculous. Like, why are we there? Uh, One of the ideas I've come up with is Maslow's hierarchy of needs. At the very base of it, humans need food, shelter, and I can't remember the rest, but like those are essential things. And we shouldn't just give everybody a bunch and have a bunch of people throw it in the trash, even though that's currently what we do. But when people have some investment, they take care of stuff. They care. Okay, so do you think it'd be fair to say that you think uh, workers should own the means of production when it comes to businesses and such? Yes. So people should get the fruit of their labor, and not everybody can produce, and I'm okay spending extra for somebody who needs help and can't take care of themselves. So that's kind of the whole point of having society, isn't it? So would you, uh, you know, what would your uh, comments on this statement be? Like, uh, for example... People often say that uh, wealth and the capacity to gain wealth is largely contingent on the decisions you make. Do you, you know, deem that to be true, or do you think wealth is, is you know, solely based off of, I, I suppose, um, ancestry? The game's rigged. So you can try your damnedest and be broke. You can be a piece of shit and be born into rich. There's a lot of permutations here. This is true. This is true. So would you say the majority of people, I guess, in America... Uh, obtain wealth based off of uh, you know purely off of hard work dedication perseverance and whatnot you know starting their own business or do you think it's it's you know largely contingent on i guess being a asshole or just ancestry i suppose historical wealth rather uh wealthy people may have worked hard to get there but they've also taken it from other people there are some things that just pay really well so like an attorney or something they have to know things and they accomplish stuff wow that's a great intelligent sentence uh, so they actually have learned things and they have a skill set and it's rewarded highly by society. So they make a bunch of money. 
Uh, teachers are very good at a specific skill set or a bunch of skill sets, but they're not valued highly financially by society. Uh, and capitalists and other er, investors, capitalists, various other things, they basically just get the means of production and take the money off the top. So that they may work hard to keep their business going, but they're not personally producing the widgets. Okay, okay. So what do you say to those that say, you know, uh, 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 a business owner, I guess, laid put down the risk to start the business, whereas, you know, the workers didn't? The workers don't have the money to lay out the risk, and there's lots of fail-safes for people that have businesses. So it's it's, again, something that would have to be pulled apart to actually complete, but that framing is just kind of wrong okay okay so um from a money-making perspective do you think teachers should make um not necessarily more but as much as doctors seeing as they i guess um educate future doctors i'm open to that idea i'm also open to the concept of uh, a moneyless society don't really have all the details to talk about that but yeah teachers should be compensated better they have a very high workload and they in some cases, just don't make enough money to live, which is outrageous. Okay. So you said you're open to the idea of a moneyless society. Um, how would that w- function or work exactly? I mean, I'm just curious. Though. So I'm going to be lazy and make a citation. So there's a person on YouTube called Non-Compete, and he's got a video series talking about anarchy and how a society would work under that. But uh, I don't have all the details. Um, but when we have excess, we can share. So if I had a fruit tree, I could pass out extra fruit to people if they wanted it. Um, if somebody else could help me. Or even if a motorist is on the side of the road, like somebody might stop and help them change a tire. Well, before COVID. Uh, and that would be a case of people just helping people because we want to be nice to each other. Okay. So would you consider yourself an anarchist maybe? Or, or somewhat of an anarchist from, you know, different, I guess, aspects of life? I don't know. Yes. Uh, I'm still chewing on what that means. I don't tend to operate real heavily on titles, which is part of the fun I've done. So people get behind leftism, capitalism, various other things, but I like to pick it apart and actually make a conversation out of it. So for example, uh, what is it? Single payer healthcare or universal healthcare. So I remember somebody blasting me with no, 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 I don't want that. But I had a follow-up conversation with somebody else on, uh, if they could even define what that is because people give stuff a title and then they scream the title, but they don't actually talk about the substance. Okay. So uh, what would you, what would be your position on the single payer healthcare system then? Let's give people medicine. Like this is a thing we've done in the world. We can do it. The problem is that people make money off our current system and people don't want to give up their wealth. They don't want to give up their money and seeing any deduction can scare the crud out of people. Some people just, don't know what to do with change like in my particular context the idea of being imprisoned is has been terrifying but it's because it's so far out that i don't understand anything like i can't even see out there so i don't want to be anywhere closer to there it's it's a scary thought sort of like a person losing wealth okay so would you say from a morality perspective a single-payer healthcare system is is the right path to take from what i understand about it yes Okay, so uh, do you think that uh, implementing a single-payer healthcare system in America will diminish the uh, incentive for many to become doctors, or do you think uh, future medical students will see past the name of uh, see past in the name of altruism, seeing as they wouldn't get paid as much under a single-payer healthcare system? I'm not sure if the doctors would actually have any reduction. Insurance companies and various background services 
would probably stop existing or lose money or some sort of thing like that. But the people that actually do the work, I think, would be rewarded fairly still. So, so it's fair to say that you think that uh, there won't be, a, I guess, a shortage in doctors under a single-payer healthcare system if that were to be in- implemented in, in America? I don't think there would be. I suspect that around the world there's somewhere we could cite and check. Um, is it Cuba has lots of doctors? or, I mean, there's precedents for all these things we can look up. I just don't know it off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, the uh, the right often says um, that health care is a commodity and, and not a right. Uh, they say medical care is good and is a good and a service provided by a third party. Uh, you know, analogy would be, you know, no matter how much bread you need, uh, you don't have the right to steal someone's wallet or hold up the local bakery to obtain it. Ultimately, I guess the uh, the question I'm trying to ask is uh, what, what would a rebuttal be to that claim? Again, basic human needs. So we have a right to be alive and live I mean, that's the whole concept, as I understand, behind taxes, is we pay into a group system and we take care of each other. So, uh, yeah, and some of the stuff is just outrageous. So spiking insulin prices is obscene. Like, I remember something about, I believe it was an HIV drug, and it was like $10 in Australia, and it was like $1,000 or $10,000 in the U.S. So the production of that is the same cost either way. Shipping is meaningless at that price point, and just what on earth are we doing? This isn't okay. Okay, okay. So, um, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, go on a tangent here and, and ask you about uh, Trump. Uh, do you think Trump was wrong about uh, pulling off or pulling out of the you know uh, Paris Climate Accord? Again, yes. So, the Paris Climate Accord was never enough. It was a starting point, kind of like the Green New Deal. It's not a complete everything, but. It's a conversation we can start, and if we're all acting in good faith, we can make progress, get somewhere. Uh, The problem is that there's people who are poisoning the well. Like, we can do these things. Like, I've played with numbers. We can already be running off solar energy, uh, wind turbines. We have the technology. We have the knowledge. We just have to implement it. But if somebody is benefiting from it not happening, that's a problem. And some people really believe uh, what they believe even though it's not right. So some people just don't think we can get off oil, I think. They're wrong, though. We can. We must. Okay, so uh, what do you think is the best way to, I guess, mitigate climate change overall, you know, throughout, you know, the world, I suppose? Uh, Produce less crap, use less energy. Uh, Oil is, as I understand, not going away anytime soon, but if we had, like, a... 95% reduction, we could do that. Uh, I thought context of like electric bicycle versus gigantic truck as far as energy consumption, they'll both be transporting one person to a place. And there are logistics here, but I mean like a thousand fold energy difference or something. Okay, okay. So I remember Trump uh, saying after he pulled out of the uh, you know Paris Climate Accord, he said he pulled out because of, you know, he listed a number of reasons. He said uh, it would create a it would create a loss of over 400,000 jobs in the U.S., create a total uh, income loss of 20000 for a family of four, create a GDP loss of $2.5 trillion, create an increase in household electricity expenditure between 13% and 20%. Do you think we should just look past that, seeing as uh, climate change is, I suppose, vital, vitally important in today's society, seeing as it's, it's a life-or-death situation? Well, that was a bunch of numbers. 
Does anybody actually understand these numbers? I mean, there's the example of one and a half trillion they pulled out of somewhere in the uh, national budget. So people cite numbers. So to an average person, like $10 million is spectacular. But when spent, that maybe buys us a couple miles of a road being put down. So the population at large is pretty broke and does not understand what things cost. So like the amount of children that could be given school supplies for the cost of like one fighter jet or something. And to get a little off a tangent, um, the Paris Climate Accord, we need it. We need more. We need the Green New Deal. Uh, we're all going to die. Like it's going to be a very bad slide. Australia's burned. The West Coast of the U.S. is burned. Uh, my city has been flooded multiple times and it's only going to get worse. Like in my lifetime, I believe I've seen several thousand year floods. Like that's that's not what the uh, card says. That shouldn't have happened, but it is. And it's getting worse. So we have to not die. That's yeah. Let's just fucking take care of each other. How long do you think we have if we don't act now? Uh, it's a gradual slide. There's just not, there's not a hard stop on this. I have had this idea that people see the end of the world through their own eyes. If I'm in the ocean and I drown, I'm seeing my own death. So there's a pattern of that happening. I mean, people are dying, people are going to die worse, and conditions are going to get worse. Starvation can happen from failed crops. It's just kind of a continuous slide, and I don't want to get worse. I want to get better. Okay, so you said you're an advocate for the Green New Deal. Um, why should we implement the Green New Deal in America? Why do you think that'll, that'll mitigate climate change? So, honestly, I have not read it. It's like eight pages. I had it printed off and handed to me, and I still haven't read it. So, uh, Alexandria Cortez, um, she's, as I see it, acting in good faith against the mountain. Uh, she's like, hey, we should be doing this. And the notion that anybody would push back against that instead of join is outrageous. Like, we have known about climate change for 100 years, 50 years. I'm trying to remember. I think it was the 60s or the 50s that Shell Oil, one of the oil companies, they discovered that climate change was happening. And then they stayed a little further and went, oh, that's not good because that's our product. So they flipped and they started denying it themselves or something like that. So we've known for a long time, and even just like landfills, we look at trash in a pile. I feel like anybody could tell that's probably not good. We do lots of spins in the world, ways of making ourselves feel good, ways of saying things that's better, but there is a material reality we live in, and some of these things are just bad. So climate change is bad, and it's global, and it's hard to grasp, I think, but we have to. Okay, so... um. You know, you being a, you being a communist, or I, mean, I know you're not a fan of titles. Communist. Okay, a communist. Okay, so you you being a, I suppose a communist. Why is <laughs> why do you think uh, from a you know morality standpoint, communism is is superior to capitalism? So I don't really speak in moral terms, more just sort of reality. Though I guess I do have a code of ethics. So uh, we're long past the point where we should be working forty hour weeks. We can have immense amounts of leisure time and destroy the earth less quickly or even reverse the damage we're doing. Uh, wealth hoarding is a problem. I mean, the term 1% came around because of the outrageous amount that the tiny amount of capitalists have. Uh, the rich goons, if you might, they're, they're ultra wealthy. And how many golden gargoyle statues and H2s do you need? Okay. Okay. So, um, 
Do you think Trump sh- uh, shouldn't have been allowed to, I, I suppose, fill in the seat? If not, why? Fill in the seat? Uh, the Supreme Court. Uh, oh. You know how he implemented it? Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't have a whole lot to say on that. Like, I don't actually know the backstory there. But it's terrible that he placed somebody in the Supreme Court because that's forever, which is kind of a problem when the person's bad. But we'll see. Um, I think it's a terrible situation, but I don't have anything intelligent to say here. Okay, so uh, it's fair to say, you, do you have a comment on, do you think Biden should pack the courts or, you know? So from what I gather, Biden is shit, but he's not Trump. So we're kind of getting back to the baseline of who we're going to fight against. Okay. And I mean, as I understand, the president picks who goes in the courts. So when there's an opening, that's his job. So he's, I don't know. It's just kind of set in stone as I see it. Like, that's just not a fight that I've got any engagement in. Okay, okay. So do you think that, um, I'm going to go ahead and, and talk about the, uh, the, the um, hate speech here. Um, do you think that constitutionally we should implement laws that restrict people from using language that some might find offensive? And if so, who deems what should and should not be said? And what are some consequences consequences for those that uh, decide not to abide by these laws? Who deems that is my real holdup? So truly hateful things should not be allowed to be broadcast. Um, if a person wants to sit in their own space and say anything they want, I don't want anybody breaking down their door saying no, no, no. But there's definitely actions and words people have done and used to uh, be just basically just straight up hateful. So like giant burning crosses in a person's yard is a act of hate. Um, there's lots of other stuff that people have done, which is just not OK. Like hate's bad. <laughs> OK, so it's fair to say that you think constitutionally we should uh, implement hate speech laws. Yes. Okay, so um, who do you think should, uh, I, I suppose, uh, dictate uh, what should and should not be said? Uh, you know, Congress, uh, I guess uh, the majority of, I suppose we take a vote, the majority of Americans, uh, who, who decides what should and should not be said? Uh, I'm thinking listening to the oppressed group is probably our best option here. So if a minority group feels oppressed by something, that would be a very, very good guide to go by. As far as Congress or the president or citizens or voting on it, I don't actually know how to implement that, but I bet you there's people with enough knowledge they could do that. Uh, ramble, ramble, ramble. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, so, um, let's say we do implement these laws. Um, what should a consequence be if, if someone were to, I guess, uh, not abide by these laws? I'm somewhat of the mindset, see if the person understands what they've done. There's lots of ways to be unpleasant to someone else and not realize it. Our culture has a long, long standing of being systematically jerks to each other. So if a person doesn't understand, we get them to understand. And then if they're just, if they're obviously understand what they've done, I'm not really sure. Like imprisonment, if it's horrendous enough, but imprisonment's a whole problem unto itself. Um, fines. I'm not really sure. Like, I don't know how that case followed up with calling fire in a crowded theater. Like, I think the person went to court and I'm not sure how they prosecuted him from there. So, I don't have an answer to this yet. Okay, so you, you were talking about imprisonment. Uh, you, you were saying it's a problem. Um, would you like to elaborate on that? or? 
Uh, yeah, it is a problem. It's like having quotas and having the racial bias that it does is absolutely terrible. And it doesn't do what it says on the tin. It's claimed to be a rehabilitation program or institute. And it's actually a business to make money for locking up people, which that's not okay. okay. They're human. I mean, we're all humans like decriminalizing or locking up a person is generally not okay. And taking away their voting rights for it is not okay. Uh, I feel like listening to their stories would be better than locking them up. Like, we can also study what gets people there because if somebody's stealing because they're poor, well, if they're not poor, they're better off. And this all kind of spirals into itself with, I mean, a person can work 60 hours a week and barely live. So the chance of getting out of that life sounds good. And the chances of getting locked up for doing something dumb is a possibility. Uh, I think I'd have to rehearse that to make it more intelligible, but that's what <laughs> I got for the sec. Yeah, you're fine. You're fine. Uh, so, uh, what do you what do you what do you think about uh, inalienable rights? Do you do you believe in them? Do you do you think they're absurd? What what, what are your comments on them? Um, you know, you being an an atheist and all, you know. So, inalienable rights. We're talking life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. Yes. So, okay. God-given rights. Well, God-given rights is a problem right there, but <laughs> those are very wiggly, intangible concepts. So, it's like saying uh, be kind or any number of things. That implementing that is kind of hard it's values are they're problematic sometimes when used without good intention so like being a uh, i'm not using that um <laughs> so i feel like a people just inherently have that so that's written down in the constitution but all these things are so riddled with details and problems it sounds good to me on paper but everything's more complicated <laughs> okay so um um, why should people have not voted for Trump in the last election, the general election? Because he's a fascist, racist monster. Okay, that's fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, what steps should uh, we take as a society rather than a government to better America? I like to say the USA or the states. America is kind of a funny thing, or cause of America. Uh, turns out there's a middle and a south, and those even contain different countries. We even contain different countries. The North America, that is. So, sorry, tangible. What was the question one more time? Um, as a society rather than a government, how do we better the U.S.? Society instead of the government. Uh, yeah, I don't have any magic answer to that. It seems like lots of work and little steps is the way. Um, I kind of like the idea of revolution, but from what I gather, that's just... It's not a path that I personally want to walk, and it's not something I foresee seeing in my life. So I end up with reform, which is kind of under-exciting and frustrating. Uh, so little things, um, or huge things, rather. Like, societal change, like, individuals affect it, but it's in mass. So if we wanted to make a major change, we'd have to do it in mass as a group. We can't do it individually. So the police institution, for example, is a problem. And we have to make enough change that it sticks. And such as civil rights, they've been rolled back through time. So they get pushed forward, they get pushed back. We can be in better and worse spots, but I don't know how to make these major changes and make them stick. 
So we have to get together as a group and make things happen. And if somebody's obstructing that, we have to get them out of the way. Okay, okay. So uh, do you think there are those that are obstructing it? And if so, how do we stop them or, I guess, um, slow them down, rather? So there's always going to be somebody obstructing. Well, okay. Oftentimes there's somebody obstructing. And... Again, I kind of ask if they mean to be doing that or what perspective they have. But if they're doing harm, they're doing harm. So it doesn't really matter why. Uh, removing the for-profit motivation would be very helpful because I think a lot of things done in the world that are effectively just bad are done because of profit. So, uh, so scammers, for example, I do not think contribute anything to the world. But what they're trying to do is get money. But if we change our motivations, we can get rid of some of these things that are problematic. People want shelter, people want community, people want food, and there's plenty of that. So better distribution, teach each other to cooperate. We can just have a better world with this. Okay, now I'm gonna go ahead and talk about the Second Amendment. Uh, how do you feel about the Second Amendment? Uh, it's been misinterpreted through time. As I understand, it was, you can have guns to protect yourself as a country sort of thing, and now it's very individualistic. And guns in this country are all sorts of problems. Uh, I don't have any personal philosophy answer to it. Uh, as I see it, guns kill things. So people have them to defend themselves from other humans, which I think is a problematic philosophy. And people have them to hunt. And hunting isn't my thing, but I definitely can understand that. Uh, so sensible gun control laws make some sense to me. Uh, there is pushback against that, and I think some of it is a slippery slope. If you take away this, then the next thing to go will be that. But things don't always snowball to the bottom of a mountain. And we can't always see where we're going until we get over there. But if somebody just inherently wants complete, unregulated something, then any change is scary to them. Okay, okay, so um, do you think, or do you fear the American government will go tyrannical? And if so, do you think that uh, the abolishment of the Second Amendment will make people feel less paranoid or, or, and safe from tyranny? Um, well, the government's a collection of things. So, can I see that question in print? Uh, American government going tyrannical, net, well, kind of. Like, there's a history of basically a lot of power, and if they don't like something, they do things accordingly. That was too abstract for my taste. Um, <laughs> abolishment of the Second Amendment will make people feel less paranoid and safe from tyranny. Uh, do you think so? I don't, I don't think so, but it could make us safer from each other. Like, as I understand, guns more often kill the people they're trying to defend than the people they're trying to get. And also labeling somebody the good guy and the bad guy is a very black and white worldview, which leads to some of these problems. We have a all or nothing position. I've heard the argument, for example, that within conservative and religious philosophy, uh, contraceptive isn't 100%. So by that math, it's 0%. But I personally consider 95 or 99% worth doing. It's not 100%, but 100% is just... Existence isn't on and off. I mean, even a light bulb could be defined in some gray area. Okay, okay. So do you, do you think that, um, you know, if Joe Biden were to uh, strip people of their gun rights, do you think that'll uh, trigger a, uh, I suppose, a Civil War Part Two, an American Revolution Part Two, 
some sort of of, of all all out war. I mean, I don't want to go and say war, but but riots in the streets and whatnot. Do you think that'll trigger some sort of mayhem in America? So this whole question feels rigged. But if <laughs> Biden were to take away people's rights to have guns, so just do away with the Second Amendment. Um, in practice, I don't see that happening. I guess it could happen over time, and predicting the future is difficult. So, banning guns uh, across the country, I don't see that going over well. I can see a lot of people doing holdouts. And I can also imagine that a genuine majority of people would be on board. Like, groups that have an interest usually represent themselves much louder than the people that are just going about their day with no concern. So, if somebody's into dogs, they're not they're going to be louder about dogs than the person that's indifferent to dogs so the people that want guns if there are a few percentage points then the rest of the people are the majority it's just they're not doing anything about it people want to live their lives and focus on their own goals okay so why do you think uh so you know the founding fathers implemented the second amendment why do you think they implemented that do you think they implemented that because of uh i suppose fear of government tyranny or did they implement that because uh I suppose they thought that, you know, Americans would, would love to hunt. Well, why do you think they implemented the Second Amendment? And do you think that same reason is valid now? I think it actually ties in with uh, slavery and racism and controlling people in the context of having guns and slaves. So the Founding Fathers were kind of a sack of junk. <laughs> so I don't actually know what their logic was for the Second Amendment, but I think it's pretty racially tied. Okay, so um, we're gonna ask. So, um, as far as the minimum wage goes, what's your position on that? It needs to be higher if we're doing this. Uh, minimum wage originally was enough that a person could buy a house or such. So, I think with inflation, it's something like sixteen or seventeen dollars an hour now, and that is ten dollars more than the minimum wage as it sits, and that makes a big difference for people. Doubling their income would be quite helpful. So. It needs to go up. Yeah, it just needs to go up. I guess that's kind of my position. Like, we can rewrite society and give up money on all these things. But right now, in this moment, just make minimum wage 20 an hour or something. Uh, they'll be crying about it, but it'll work out fine. The people at the bottom need more money. Okay, so do you think that uh, you know raising the minimum wage will would you know overall raise raise I suppose everything? You know, you you raise the minimum wage, people at McDonald's. I suppose that'll you know raise the price of a hamburger from McDonald's, seeing as they would have to pay more for their workers. I suppose. Do you think that we should overlook that and go ahead and go with the minimum wage, or you know, what's your standpoint on that? I don't know if that would have to happen in practice under capitalism. It absolutely would. So. It's probably possible to pick off the uh, leeches from the top and distribute that money to the workers. Though, in our current system, that wouldn't happen. So, prices probably would go up, but people's buying power would go up too. So, overall, we'd have an improvement as I see it. Okay, so um, from a philosophical perspective, uh, how do you think people can better themselves as individuals rather than you? Uh, Learn to play nice. I've half-joked that can you pass kindergarten? Like, adults that are entitled basically have forgotten kindergarten values, like play nice and share. Like, some of these things shouldn't be that hard, but some of them seem to be advanced for adults. One of the ideas I brought to the world is that people in other cars are people in other cars. It's not just a bunch of cars and myself in my car. Like, 
there's a human behind that vehicle. We're all in a cooperative activity currently. Um, just playing nice with each other is cool. It's fine. Do it, please. Cooperation. You don't always have to pick verses. Okay. So, um, how do you think, how, how does socialism and, and communism increase innovation? People want to innovate. People want to play. Um, and if people have enough leisure time, they'll do things. So early on, like some of the things like Galileo and such, uh, they invented stuff because they had the time to do it. And they just had this drive to do it. Like the starving artist, like who would want to do that if they didn't want to do art? So people inherently want to cooperate and people inherently want to create and be creative. So yeah, I mean, I have lots of ideas and designs in my head and I have no financial motivation behind that. I just, I want to build things I want to invent. Okay, so, you know, it's fair to say that you think under a socialist and, and communist country that we would be a lot more, I suppose, innovative or innovative as a society, as a nation, rather than in a capitalist society. Yeah, I think we'd invent more. We all, It's also a question of what we're inventing. Are we finding solutions to big issues we have or are we finding solutions to making money because climate change i'm not sure how that's going to be profitable to solve but we have to solve it and i have no doubt there's people that want to solve it it's just people have pressures so if somebody needs money they're going to go find a way to get money to get stuff but if a person is set on things they can pursue extra leisure they can i mean Volunteering is a thing. It's kind of like working without getting paid, but people still do it because we want to innovate. We want to. Okay, I'm I'm just tangenting here, so maybe. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, do you think conservatives are are scared of change? Yeah, their whole gimmick is they want to go back to a time before change, but what they want to do is just have all the power. The and also conservatism, as I understand, is closely tied to religion, and both of them speak in riddles and parables which would be fine if they were in good intention. But my understanding of modern conservatism, eh, conservatism, whatever the fuck it's called, is basically that they are using a bunch of weird parables and cover stories to get more money. And the hell with that. Okay, so how do you think we should, uh, how, do you, how do we decrease the homelessness rate in America? What do we do? What steps do we take to do that? Humanize them? Uh, help them back up. Like, there's this thing in the U.S. where you got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. But has anybody ever drawn like a person pulling their bootstraps? It, as I understand, was a um, sarcastic comment initially. So the idea of getting up from poverty is incredibly difficult, from what I understand, and that there's roadblocks that somebody in a cushy chair could never know. So if a person's homeless or they have nothing they may be panhandled to make some money. So if a person gets enough money to buy some food, they'll eat the food. Now they're broke again. So, and also if a person wants to get a job, they need a phone. They need a way to get clean and shower. They need to get to the place. Uh, there are people who have expertise on helping people out of homelessness and poverty, but it's, it's still a, quite a thing, as I understand, in the U.S., so we don't have enough people doing that work. Okay. So you think that, uh, I suppose you think that uh, homelessness or homeless folks should live off of donations? Is that how we uh, lift them out of poverty? Is that what we do? 
I don't actually know how we lift them out of poverty. Uh, that sounds kind of ugly to say, give them donations and such. Uh, people need help, and that's what we do. Like, I've thought a few times about how much money I just lose randomly on dumb purchases. And I'm like, okay, I mean, I used to see the things where like $5 would feed a family for a week or a dollar a day or something. So if I just went and spent 40 bucks on pizza, uh, well, I have enough money that I can affect things. So as a society, we can help people. If somebody doesn't want help, that's fine. But one of the things that I, okay, I have no expertise on homelessness, but I do know that mental health is part of it. And in the U.S., mental health is neglected and not taken care of. So when a person's right side up, they can still fall down with mental health, such as depression or something. And if a person's down and out, I don't know how a person holds on. Like, people do. People also die. So getting up is hard. Like, just existing as a human can be hard, even with all the tools and all the goodness. So. Okay. So, um, given that in the history of the world, no socialist country has ever succeeded in developing a uh, long-lasting or prosperous nation, why is it that you think that socialism insists on, on living as an idea? So, a lot of sabotage there. Capitalists don't like socialists. Capitalists don't like communists. In the U.S., those words, pro- communists and socialists, probably have ugly meanings because they've been smeared for so long. So, uh, there's a video maker I've watched that lives in Vietnam, uh, Luna Oi. Yeah. And I've seen some of her videos talking about how Vietnam was bombed to bits and attacked and they had nothing and they held on and they just, they really wanted their communist country. They just wanted to live their lives. So they tried to rebuild after being violently attacked and blown up a whole bunch and they had to make some compromises to exist. So they had to make some trade with capitalist countries, for example, but the capitalist countries don't want them to exist. Like showing a way where we can cooperate really hurts the individual cause. So we can all have uh, identity. We can all be people, but like community resources, like I don't own an entire stadium. I can't use an entire stadium, but under capitalism, people want that, but that should be a community resource, like a playground where you have to like pay to enter or something like what's up with that. No, it's, it's a playground in a neighborhood. We can all share it. Okay. So um, my next question for you is uh, how far can a country progress as a nation or or as a society? Is there an end to progressiveness is essentially what I'm asking. Uh, I mean, I'm open to giving up the idea of borders and countries, but assuming that we have countries, uh, we could progress to the point where people aren't dying of preventable causes. People aren't starving for no good reason. Uh, people have shelter. Like I mentioned Maslow's hierarchy of needs earlier. We can fill that bottom section. We have the resources. We have the know-how. We just have to do it. Uh, I guess, yeah, self-actualization's at the top. So people finding how they want to live, what they like, who they are. Like, we can do this um, instead of trying to meet survival. Like, we're not living in the woods anymore. We're long, long past the Industrial Revolution. Food-wise, we overproduce we throw it out um we also we're just guzzling resources and making it look like it's okay but it's not okay so you said you're open to the idea of uh, no borders no countries how will we go about that so essentially what we would do is i suppose live as as one race i suppose one, one, the human race rather how would we go about that seeing as you know people would be paranoid people would be yeah, i guess 
they they would lack tr- uh trust with other folks i suppose without borders uh countries and such how do you think we should go about that as as a not a country but as a human race well that starts off with a lot of assumptions um so i mean there are people that have dual citizenship living in texas like I've known people who have family in Mexico and live in the U.S. and go back and forth. So in that context, the barrier, I'd assume, is a nuisance. Like, if I want to go visit a friend in a different city, I don't have to go out of the country or get paperwork done. I just go there. And I see no reason it shouldn't be that way. So we can have... uh, Also to... Again, there's a video on YouTube or a series of videos by a person called Non-Compete, and he's got to talk about anarchy and no borders and various things like these. So, uh, sorry, what was the question? I'm very good at tangenting. Oh, so um, you say that we should abolish borders, countries, and such. How would we go about that as a, as a, as a human race? So, seeing as there won't be any more countries, borders, and whatnot, do you think, I guess, I guess more people would be paranoid that would stir up I suppose conflicts and such how do we go about that so basically we just need to find a way that everybody agrees to manage the resources so currently things are produced around the world I think some of those things we should just not produce Uh, as far as food and various other resources um, some sort of democracy comes to mind where we just kind of agree that this person produces avocados this person has bananas this person makes silverware i am really hungry i guess so (laughs) we can we can do this i mean we basically just don't have borders like states on a map have lines but the lines on the land are only synthetic like we have welcome to the state signs and it's possible to put like a check border which i sure don't want um so yeah i don't have the complete answer here but i've got no doubt there's people with expertise So, uh, do you think that we should get rid of borders just out of convenience, or do you, essentially what you're saying is that we shouldn't have states because I guess there's there's no reason to have states? Is that what it is? Yeah, we shouldn't restrict people. So, I don't want somebody just walking into my house, but I don't object to somebody deciding to go down the street. Uh, I guess I'm talking individualism again, but just why do we have states in the first place? Let's just do a paradigm shift, like. We take a lot of things as assumptions because we've done it our whole life, but if we pick it apart and look over it, it may not hold up very well to scrutiny. And people have to be open to these ideas, but I think a lot of people would be open to these ideas. Like, most people just want to go about their day and take care of their friends and family. Okay, so there are some that say that we have, you know, states because uh, they want to, you know, I guess uh, lower the power of the federal government because, you know, they fear what happened, you know with Great Britain that triggered the American Revolution and such, I, I suppose they, they fear tyranny, essentially. Uh, do you think we should look past that and, and, and I guess, see the federal government as, as a, as a um, I don't want to say a higher power, but, but I guess not fear them? Do you think we should just go ahead and look past that, abolish the states and abolish the state governments and just have one central government? Uh, I mean, we could also have none of the government. Uh, we need something, I mean, we just have to have something where we generally agree on stuff, like living as part of a group involves basically sucking it up sometimes, so uh, as far as a central government of some sort to uh, basically manage stuff and take care of the details, 
I'm personally good with that, as far as I understand. Our current implementation is deeply problematic. And as far as the people that have massive concerns about, like, states not existing and federal government and such, I would guess that they don't have their thoughts very flushed out. I could be wrong, but I would guess that there's a lot of just sort of screaming titles and making a bunch of noise without a whole lot of knowledge. Okay, so do you think that, uh, that, uh, I suppose we should be a bit more united as a country rather than, than, than bipartisan. So, you, you know, there's a lot of conflict going on right now, you know, more, you know, now more than ever, you know, in the, in the political world. Um, do you think that abolishing the states would, would, I guess, create a lot more unity in this country? Uh, I mean, currently in practice, I'm not very motivated to abolish the states. Um, there's a lot of work and that's kind of that's a philosophical side project for me more than anything else uh, damn it I am not retaining these questions well so so yeah we've got state government we've got federal government and there's a lot of work to be had here but around the world we also have the whole world burning and climate change so that's that's kind of more important than talking about states rights or, or not states rights um, like states existing or various things so, yeah. Okay, so as a world, we should we should be focusing on climate change, saying that is a life or death situation for, for not just individual countries and, and continents or, or whatnot or nations. It, it's a human race problem. Yeah. Uh, seeing others as people is essential. Like, I didn't realize how broken I was until the last few years to uh, just sort of dismiss this or that group because it's just whatever. So... For example, I've went, I played Resident Evil 5 as a kid, and I've gone back and revisited it, and it is atrocious. I'm like, I used to enjoy this mindlessly, but to quote somebody I like, uh, be critical of the media you love. Like, we can, it's just amazing how we're influenced by what we consume. Okay, so do you think the uh, mainstream media is very instrumental in, in how the American public per, uh, perceives I, I suppose uh you know political issues and such or political you know political candidates like you know donald trump joe biden do you think the mainstream media i guess uh creates a narrative so to give a tangential breakdown in the u.s we have two major popularized parties democrats and republicans and the republicans are straight up anti-democracy so they do not want to hear from people and the world that i believe in that's not welcome so as I understand, they're actually a relatively small group. They're just very wealthy and want their malicious cause. So the Democrats aren't perfect, but we have these two popularized groups. Uh, one of them is straight up sabotaging garbage, and the other one is maybe okay, and a lot of people get behind it because there's not really a third option. Like, the U.S. is two parties, and people hold views and viewpoints outside of those, but how to get onto a national stage with them is difficult. So Bernie Sanders was kind of close and he's not all that radical. He just, he wants some stuff that's generally good for people. Like, uh, I do think the majority of people, if we were talking about substance would agree, like there's just basic human needs. And like, who would look at a starving child and think you should be starving? Like, there's just things we don't do unless we wrap it in a bunch of strange language and parables. 
Okay, so to go ahead and go on a bit of tan- a bit of a tangent here. Um, That's a tangent. <laughs> how do you uh, how do you define fascism? Uh, fascism is terrible. Authoritarianism is not my thing. Um, I don't know if it can exist without being terrible. Uh, I mean, World War Two was the extreme of fascism, but it happens long before that. So, yeah, I watch a lot of YouTube apparently. So, there's a series called the alt-right playbook by a video creator that goes by Innuendo Studios. And, yeah, he talks a lot about this, but fascism is just, it's terrible. Like, I'm just not a fan of standing in other people's heads for power. Like, I'd prefer share power and work with people than try to collect all of it. Okay, so, um, do you believe that uh, systemic racism exists in America? And if so, how do we get rid of it? Wow. Yeah, yeah, it exists. Uh, how we get rid of it is a lot of work and a lot of learning and a lot of training and talking to people that are more knowledgeable than me. That's kind of off the cuff there, but, um, yeah, the U S is racist. It's whole history is racist. Um, and it's really smooth and subtle sometimes. Like it's not always slappy in the face, obvious. So there's things that are offensive and people may not even know. So in the case of some of the people that I know, if I brought to their attention, something was offensive, they'd be considerate of it. Because they don't want to be offensive, they just didn't know. Some people, they'll defend themselves in areas that just aren't okay. Uh, it's, yeah, racism bad. Like, I'm not sure what to add to that. Yeah, completely agree. Um, so, you being on the opposite side of the political spectrum and all, uh, what is it that you think conservatives don't fully understand when it comes to, I suppose, political policies and philosophical moralities? I really don't know. I don't care. Um, so conservatism is just, I don't even want to spend my energy on it. It's like the God versus not God debate. Like I've got somewhere else to be. You just, just fuck off. So, okay. So, uh, you know, you being an atheist, uh, why do you think believing in God isn't imperative to a functioning society? Or, Or do you believe that? Um, I don't fully know your position on that. Wow. I just went that place. So, uh, I just, I've recently thought, uh, warmed up a little bit to uh, religion. And I think my greatest grievance has been a lifetime experience of people taking it and twisting it for whatever ends they want. But I don't know that I personally have any interest in religion either way. But it's not necessarily as villainous as I held for a while. Okay. So, um, I'm going to go ahead and try to wrap up the the show right now. Uh, do you have any closing remarks for the audience uh, do you, would you like to leave us with anything uh, we can build a better world people want to build a better world without people obstructing that we would already be doing that like just to give a popularized item solar panels like the house I live in we could just cover the roof in solar panels store energy and literally not be connected to the grid uh, I've bicycle commuted for work and that's good um there's just lots of technologies and lots of ways we can live that already exist and just need knowledge. And there's logistics there, but experts exist. Like everybody has their opinion, but that's not what we should be operating on. If somebody is an expert in something, then they know that topic more than me probably. So let's listen to the experts. Uh, if there's a climate change expert, let's listen to the expert. It's not about opinions. There is research and facts in the world. Well, Peter, it was a fucking pleasure.
Thank you. It was a real pleasure. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. Indeed. How do you? Thank you. My first interview. I, I this is my first person on my podcast. Thank you, Peter. All right. It was a pleasure. <laughs>